Welcome to Friends in Fiction, five best-selling authors and the stories. Novelists Mary Kay Andrews, Kristen Harmel, Christy Woodson Harvey, Patty Callahan Henry, and Mary Alice Monroe are five longtime friends with more than 80 published books to their credit. In 2020, they created Friends in Fiction to provide author interviews and fascinating insider talk about publishing and writing, and to highlight independent bookstores. These friends discuss the books they've written, the books they're reading now, and the art of storytelling. If you love books and you're curious about the writing world, you're in the right place. Hello, everyone. It's Wednesday night, and that means it's time for the happiest hour on the internet, Friends in Fiction. (laughs) Welcome to our show. We have so much to look forward to tonight. I'm Christy Woodson-Harvey. I'm Mary Kay Andrews. I'm Kristen Harmel. I'm Patty Callahan-Henry. And this is Friends in Fiction, New York Times bestselling authors, endless stories to support independent bookstores. Tonight, you will meet Emily Henry, and we'll talk about her new book, People We Meet on Vacation, which was released in May, and find out about what inspires Emily, how she conquers writer's block, and much more. But before we get going, we have something really big to celebrate. Our Facebook group. Woo! Okay. Oh, I should say what it is. So our, I'm kidding. Our Facebook group, y'all, you beautiful, wonderful community. Oh, she's I love it. I love it so much. I don't have a hat nearby. I do have the Santa hat, but it's not time yet. Um, Okay. Y'all out there, this beautiful, amazing Facebook group community that was only started last April has just hit 50,000 members strong. 50,000! 50,000! We could never have imagined a milestone so huge when we started this group. And we are doing nothing but growing. And we are so grateful to each and every one of you for being part of this meaningful, positive part of our lives. Oh, it means so much. I, 50,000. I mean, can, can you imagine if someone had told us last nope. April, that, that this is where we'd be standing in a year and a half. I, or sitting no. as usual, but yeah. Sitting sitting as usual. Usual. <laughs> Not that we are always sitting. Yes. Yeah. We should do a show standing up. See what we happens. really should. Exactly. (laughs) All right. So we have updated our friends in fiction bookshop.org shop with tonight's guest, Emily Henry's books. So you can get this summer's blockbuster best seller. That's a tongue twister. People we need on vacation and last year's smash hit beach read in our shop for less than $15 each. And remember every purchase you make from the friends in fiction bookshop.org store helps us to keep friends and fiction going right we want to hit 100,000 don't we and a portion of proceeds goes directly into the pockets of independent booksellers nationwide which of course goes to the very heart of our mission since its inception bookshop.org has raised 16 million dollars for independent booksellers 16 million now that is a number we can get behind Find all our guests' new books and those by the Fab Five in our specially curated shop on bookshop.org. So support indie stores and nationwide with bookshop.org from the comfort of your own home, sitting or standing, and tell them that (laughs) (laughs) that friends and fiction sent you. 
<laughs> well, it's a big night around here because guess what? We have another trailer reveal for you. Yay! Our own Mary Kay's amazing The Santa Suit releases in less than two weeks. Are you panicking I can't yet? I believe that. <laughs> I know. Yes, I am. Does this mean I'm supposed to be decorating or doing Christmas oh. cards or any of that? Yeah, you're so oh, behind. Christmas no. cards. I'm behind. Oh, <laughs> I ordered my wreaths yesterday. But we want <gasps> to really. Yeah. So we want to share her trailer tonight. So Sean, can you do the honors? My gosh, I'm so excited for this. I'm reading it right now. It is so good so far. Um, and you know what? I love that the trailer said Christmas comes early because if there's ever a year where we needed that, right? <laughs> so, Mary Kay, can you tell us a little bit about the Santa suit? Yeah, you know, last year, last fall, for the because of pandemic, there was nothing to do and nowhere to go. I finished The Newcomers, my book that was... Um, out in May. I finished it early for the first time in my long career. And um, we had actually been on a retreat together, right? Our friends in fiction retreat. Yep. <laughs> we kind of, we kind of uh, knocked around the idea of, of doing a Christmas book or Christmas anthology. And I was like, no, I am not doing, <laughs> not doing a Christmas book. No. <laughs> and then driving home, I, I was, I don't know if it was from there. I called, I know I called Patty and I said, I have an idea. And we actually, we went away together. Where did we go? We go to Bluffton, Patty? No, we went to the mountains. We went to the mountains. That's right. Went to Cashers. And so the idea, the story is about a young woman. Her name is Ivy Perkins. She's just out of a bad divorce. And she decides she's going to completely change her life. She is, um, she's going to um, move to a new house and a new town and start all over. And she decides that she wants to buy an old white farmhouse in the mountains, and so she buys one sight unseen that she finds online and she and her dog, um, she and her dog pumpkin load up and, and move to the mountains of North Carolina the week before Christmas. And in this old house, she finds a Santa suit on the closet and the suit um, has some magical powers. And the magic is really just that Ivy kind of looks within herself and, and finds the spirit of Christmas again. So it's a sweet, I hope awesome. funny Christmas book. And I hope I just wanted to bring some light into the darkness this year. And I hope that's what yeah. I've done. It's um, if, if y'all have never been around Mary Kay Andrews when she's, which you haven't, when she's thinking of a new story, it's quite something to watch what she calls her chaos brain because she gets an idea and it's like, you know how you go, it rains and you go to bed and you come out in the morning and there's mushrooms that appeared overnight. That's Kathy. <laughs> she rains and like a story just popped up on the lawn of her mind. It's kind of Are crazy. you saying the stories come out of doo-doo? That are no, mushrooms grow on doo-doo? No, out of green, green grass and rain. Okay. And you know, <laughs> I don't know where that came from. You know it was, that every It was actually, I was thinking great. like, how it was really great. Yeah. <laughs> like off the cuff. It was good analogy. Yeah. I was just thinking about how she's driving home and she's like, 
Yeah, this, and the next thing you know, there's this whole story. I, I think my, my favorite part is it came from, no, I'm not going to write a Christmas story. Know, and then she was like, yes. And <laughs> now we know how to get her to do something. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> so every week we partner with Parade Magazine online and we stream from their Facebook page and we have an original essay in their online magazine. And this week, Christy reflected on why everything she ever needed to know, almost everything, she <laughs> learned on a tennis court. You can find it on our Facebook page under announcements and also on our Instagram bio. But Christy, tell us a little bit about that essay. It's so awesome. Well, it's kind of funny because um, little Will and I were reading Pat Conroy's My Losing Season. And for some reason, I started watching Friday Night Lights, you know, 10 years later, or however long it's been. <gasps> oh, my gosh. And I just was like, I was like, oh, my gosh. I was thinking about all these sports things. And um, as you read in the article, semi-recently, um, there was an article in my local newspaper about my long dead high school tennis career that was pretty interesting <laughs> and just made me start thinking about um, so many things in our lives and, and just how sometimes our, our failures and the things that we think are like the worst mistakes that we've ever made and the worst things that can happen to us, which I mean, how bad can it be if you lose it in this match? But you know, when you're 18 and 17, it feels like a big deal, but how so often those can be new beginnings. And, um, there are these great silver linings in, in these situations that we really didn't expect. And so I wanted to ask each of you tonight, what life lessons you have learned in unexpected places, starting with Mary Kay, the mushroom queen. <laughs> I, you know, I was thinking about this and, I, and I, I sort of thought reading obituaries, you know, I'm a great obituary reader mm-hmm. and I'm always interested in the things that, um, that people say about um, the departed and it, and it's not the things you expect. It's that she volunteered for Cub Scout. She was the, you know, she was the room mother or she was the Cub Scout leader or she mentored um, so many people in her law firm. And, and it reminds me that um, the things that matter when you're gone are, are not the awards and not yeah. all those kinds of kudos that you've gotten. It's not a plaque on a wall. It's the good, it's the good deeds you've done why you're on earth. And I, I think that kind of always reminds me. I, I hope people will say, well, you know, she wrote some books, but she was a terrible person. I hope they don't say that one. one. <laughs> we won't let them. <laughs> then the book hits me. That's not even possible for them to say. No. Um, I think for me, it's definitely not a sports metaphor. So we're just going to have to skip that. We're just going to have to skip that with Bookworm Patty. You've done a really good metaphor tonight. So like you're off Okay. The hook. Am I off yeah. the hook for? Yeah. Okay. Because yeah, Bookworm Patty wasn't playing any sports. You've given us Mushroom K. Andrews. So what, right. what would you give? <laughs> I think for me, um, it, it's not that it's you learn unexpected lessons by being a mom, but I really like it is consistent consistent learning the same lesson over and over about how exactly what we expect to happen doesn't happen mm-hmm. and about what we don't think will happen does like there's this yeah. we 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 go into things with a certain mindset and the the only thing that's certain is that it won't do what we're expecting it to do mm-hmm. so that's yeah. so true yeah, that's such a good point. Um, you know, I, I was I was thinking about this as you as you guys were talking and um 
know, I think one of the most powerful lessons I've learned in a place I didn't expect was right here on Friends and Fiction with with, with all of you who I'm sharing the screen with, um, but also with the group as a whole. I think if you had asked me a year and a half ago, well, maybe not if you had asked me, but if I were being honest with myself, I think I would have thought I'm not enough. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just, I'm... um, you know, like I, yeah, I write books and yeah, I'm, I, I, I don't know. I, I think I never felt like enough. Um, oh my goodness. And, no, but, but like, but until, until this last year and a half. And I think between the three of you and then this community that's embraced all of us, I think I've been reminded that there's a place for all of us. And sometimes the best thing you can be is just yourself, like just yeah. be the best version of yourself rather than always thinking of the things that you're not, you know what I mean? Oh. Um, and, and so thank you to all of you, to you three and, and to all of you out there for reminding me of that lesson that I think I've learned too late in my life. That is amazing. Oh my wow, God. Now I have mascara. No, okay. you know, I, I mean, I really did think today and I said this on Facebook, but I do feel like in some ways, like doing this with all of you kind of reminded me what it was like to be a part of a team. And like every day there's like something new thrown at you and every day there's something that you don't expect. And, you know, but it doesn't matter. You're together and like, you can, you can disagree on something or you can have a, you can be in a bad mood that day or like, it doesn't matter because you're getting out on the court and you are going to be the jackets from Lexington. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I mean, I mean, you know, it's that like team vibe where like you just you're kind of like your real self at some point, which I think a lot of times yeah. we don't really see that in each other um, outside of this. OK, so let's talk about our incredible guest, Emily Henry. And I did want to just remind everybody we will hopefully be taking live questions. So make sure to drop your questions for Emily um, into the chat, whether wherever you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, because uh, hopefully we'll get to some of them. But she as you know, is the number one New York Times bestselling author of several novels, including People We Meet on Vacation and Beach Read. Her books have been featured. I'm going to give you a list, but I'm also going to say everywhere. Everywhere. Her yes. books have been featured in <laughs> Oprah, Entertainment Weekly, The Skim, Bustle, everywhere. Yes. Yeah, Emily studied creative writing at Hope College and the New York Center for Art and Media Studies. These days, days, she spends most of her time in Cincinnati and the part of Kentucky just underneath it. (laughs) Kentucky, that makes me want to go there for the bourbon trail again. Anyhow, her new book, People We Meet on Vacation, was released in May and follows two best friends, Poppy and Alex, on their annual summer vacations. After an incident causes them to lose touch for two years, the pair decides to reunite for one final trip, which may very well be their last chance to save their relationship. Awesome. Hi. 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 Oh my gosh. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I have to say, I was just like alternating between laughing hysterically and like tearing up. <laughs> all of your talk. I know, now I have to fix the mascara situation. Yeah. Well, we're so glad you're here. We're huge fans. And yeah, I actually saved people we meet on vacation to help me get out of my end of summer slump. And it totally delivered. But I always have to have something that I'm like looking forward forward to reading at 
the end of summer so that I don't feel so depressed about summer being over. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. I am, I think the exact opposite where like, I am so ready for fall mm-hmm. reads and watching that trailer for Mary Kay's Christmas oh, book. Okay. I'm oh, just, you're like, ready. Yes, I'm ready. Yes. I'm ready. <laughs> it, just well, like you... inject it into my veins. I totally get that. I, I'm, I'm ready. It's starting to cool off a little and I'm getting yeah. there now. I'm getting it's there. It's dark earlier. Yeah. I noticed when we were getting ready tonight. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's yeah. happening. It's happening. But um, can you tell us about your wonderful new novel, please? Sure. Um, okay. So I will mostly, I guess, be recapping, but People We Meet on Vacation follows Alex and Poppy, um, who are just two oddballs in their own distinct ways. And when they meet, they don't really hit it off. They kind of just despise each other instantly, like on principle. Um, they're really, really different. Um, but in that difference, it weirdly creates this really fertile ground for a great friendship because there's just no kind of like bending yourself to, you know, meet someone's expectations. They're just so different. They both think that there's no hope for their friendship. And that is actually what creates such a special bond between the two of them. Um, And like you were saying, they take a yearly trip, even after they both graduate from college and move to different cities. Um, Poppy is working as a, a travel journalist in New York and Alex is back in their hometown in Ohio, working as a teacher. Um, And I don't know. It was just a lot of fun to write. It was, you know, it was, I did not write it during a pandemic, but I edited it during the pandemic. And so it really was like, Oh, thank God I can just like disappear (laughs) into this and pretend to be traveling. Um, And yeah, I just kind of like stuffed it with everything I like. And it's sort of an ode to uh, when Harry met Sally at its core. So that was the best movie. movie. The best movie. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, so um, a review of People We Meet on Vacation on Shondaland, no less, (laughs) says Henry has made a name for herself in taking typical romance novel tropes and adding modern twists. And if you are indeed a fan of romance novel tropes, which I am, (laughs) and obviously lots of people are, then you've come to the right place. And in her new novel, People We Meet on Vacation, we've got friends to lovers. We've got opposites attract. We've got slow burns. Oh, my God, I love a slow burn. And almost moments. And this novel has got it all. It is all the better for it. What, you know, a lot of people uh, have discarded the idea of a rom-com. They're coming back into vogue, thankfully. (laughs) But tell me, what inspired you to write in this genre? And did you know you were writing in it? I, I... I did, but I actually wasn't sure if anyone else would think that I was. What happened was, um, you know, I had been publishing YA novels. I had like a very mid-list career, meaning there I had some readers, but actually, you know, (laughs) hardly anyone had heard of me. My bookstore events, as we were talking before we started this, were largely empty. Um, (laughs) And... I had been doing that for a few years and I loved it, but I also was very burnt out. I was like writing these coming of age stories and I felt like I'd kind of said everything I had to say about that, like time in life. And then 2016 rolled around and the world felt very chaotic and um, unpredictable and scary. And I was just not in a great place mentally and emotionally. And so I had kind of some downtime between projects and I thought I'm going to just write like my version of a rom-com and I didn't have any plans to sell it. I really just thought like, I need to do something nice 
<laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's so rare once you start publishing, cause you kind of get onto that train and you're like, I have to do a book every year and like, yeah. whatever, just all of the, the kind of like structure of it. But it just worked out where I was like, I have this time, I'm going to do this. Um, I, I'm, I'm not going to worry about if anyone wants to read it, if anyone likes it. Um, and it was so fun. It was so fun to write a book that like, I really didn't think anyone wanted. Um, and certainly nobody specifically like expected from me. And I did just set it aside when I was done. And I think like two years went by and then I kind of noticed that rom-coms in, in, fiction we're starting to have like this big boom yeah. uh, with Jasmine Guillory and Helen Huang and Sally Thorne just kind of seeing like oh you know like kind of the like cutesy illustrated cover rendition of romance novels where they're sort yeah. of like let's get new readers in um yeah. and I was watching this sort of blow up and so I emailed my agent and was like I think I wrote one of these a couple of years ago <laughs> and I'm not positive that's what I wrote <laughs> But I think that's what I wrote. And so I sent it to her and she was really excited about it. Um, but also didn't like totally know how to sell into that. She was mostly a YA agent. Mm-hmm. And she, you know, she she recommended some books for me to read. So I started reading really widely in the genre and like was like, yes, I love this. This is this feels good. This is just nice. Um, and then when she actually retired from agenting, I went to my current agent who was like specifically just like cornering the romance market um and yeah I don't know it it, it's like that kind of cliche advice that like every writer gives to every other writer which is like write what you want to read yeah and on the one hand I want to say and it is true but the fact is like I was writing what I wanted to read before that and it wasn't selling and that happens too but I think the point is your greatest joy is always going to come from that feeling of making what you actually want to make. And so if you're trying to just like crack the market and come up with like, this is what people want. You don't believe in it. It's not going to, it's not going to be something you end up being really proud of. And um, you're not going to have a really blissful couple of months working on a book, which is like kind yeah. of like the feeling I'm always chasing. I don't know about all of y'all. Yes. Like yeah. that's the best feeling. It's the best I have a bone days. to pick with you though. <laughs> Emily. I'm yeah. reading, I'm reading um, beach read. And she talks about when she first goes away to the lake house mm-hmm. and she tells her agent, I can write a book in three months. I can write a book in half that time. And I'm like, all right, who is this person? <laughs> this is fiction, right? Well, that was me in 2016. Okay. <laughs> just checking. Emily does not, does not. Okay. Just checking on that. that. <laughs> That's funny. Yes, I don't know. It's like, it's kind of funny because, you know, I think the other thing is like, obviously like the dream for so many of us is like to get to the point where writing can be like the day job. But yes. it also is really funny how like, once you leave your other day job, you're like, why am I not getting any more done? Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. It's it's like when you send the kids to school and you're like, oh my gosh, I have these. And then out. you're like, yeah, I, I have no idea. About that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, I accidentally blinked and like now have seen three seasons of Felicity, but like, and no, I have to pick them up. Yeah. Yeah, time, time to go get them. So funny. Emily, I'm asking this because I have such a hard time balancing it. You are super open about your life on social media, and you're not only a huge advocate for other authors, which I love. I love watching when you're posting. All of you. 
Yeah, but it's also you take the time to let your readers and followers do the ask you anything. <laughs> so how do you, here's what I know all of us talk about all the time. How do you balance being a person who everyone wants to know and maybe even feels like they do know while also being able to turn into your work and, and produce these gorgeous stories? How do you balance that. That is so hard. And I like selfishly would rather just have all of you answer it. And actually like what I really want is like, we're in a room yeah. on the bourbon trail and we're in. All right. We're doing it, Emily. Yes. All right. I, honestly, sign me up. I, yes. Um, yeah, it's so hard. And I don't know. I'm like, very, I'm present on Instagram, but that's the only social media I'm on, um, which helps. Like I think when you're, when I was trying to do multiple things, I realized something was yeah. always falling to the wayside, but it is so hard and, and strange because on the one hand, you're like, wow, what a gift to be able to interact yes. directly with readers. Um, but on the other hand, you're like, I don't know. I don't know. It, it is so hard to turn your focus away from that and to go into writer mode instead of like, personality like I'm a I'm an Instagram personality or whatever um and I think like the big thing for me was I did have a lot of struggles initially trying to figure out like how am I going to use Instagram because it's like obviously the thing that I think we're all craving is like authentic human connection but it's so hard to be authentic when you're seeing yourself and you're typing it out and you, it, it's just really, really hard. Yeah. Um, and I, I realized like, Oh, the only thing that like doesn't really give me any stress when it comes to Instagram is talking about other people's books that I love. Like that yeah. only feels good and feels easy. And it doesn't feel like it costs me very much. It's like, I have to take a pretty picture and like then write a caption, but it's like, that's an easy enough way to engage that I feel like actually has value. Um, and then the ask me any things that I was doing and will continue to do like that honestly came out of um, watching some, you know, this was like my second time debuting because I had a YA career before this, yeah. but I was watching kind of some of the, the debut authors um, of 2020 when I debuted with Beach Read and like seeing their struggles and how much they didn't know, like what, what they were going through was normal. And before all of this, you know, we were all talking about like our, our worst bookstore events and like the awkwardness and the humiliation when you're there with another author, it's like when you invite the whole class to your birthday party and it's like worse. Yeah, one kid shows up. Yeah. Yes. And then yes. you're like, well, now my mom has to take me to like the McDonald's play place with this one kid I barely know. Um, <laughs> it actually didn't happen to me. It sounds like I like am pulling from like deep. Dark um, it happened to a friend. Maybe it did. And I just like, blocked it out. Um, <laughs> but, but like, maybe it was a mushroom. It was a mushroom. <laughs> it was a mushroom. Um, but yeah, so I like have totally lost the the, like rope descending with the anchor at this point. Um, so social media talking about the, Oh, the AMA, the AMAs I was doing. So I was watching debut authors kind of struggle and, and knowing, like realizing, Oh, they don't know that what's happening to them is normal. Like I was watching them kind of share in different forums, what was going on and like having kind of the heartbreak that a lot of people don't realize kind of goes with publishing. Cause you have this yeah. personal experience and this yeah. thing that's kind of like this little baby to you. And then you share it with the world. And even when it's well-received, there's like a weird grief and pain that goes yep. with it. Um, 
So it kind of started from that, just realizing like, we're not really set up as authors, like our publishers do a great job with a lot of things, but the kind of emotional end of it is not their job. And that's fair, but like, we just don't get prepared for a lot of things. So I kind of just dove into that and, and was really surprised how like hungry for it people were. And so it really just kind of feels like the thing that I can do. Um, as far as balance, I like when I'm writing, when I'm actively drafting, I really ease off of social media. Um, and it's more like when I'm editing, I feel like I use social media to like not be editing. Not doing my job. Yeah. It's just like a little click here, a little yeah. click there, a little mm-hmm. click yeah. here. Exactly. You know I'm on deadline if I'm like very active on Instagram. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, for the sure. Time, yeah. So or yeah, you too. get like a dead end or yeah. I know. Yes. I know. Yes. Just for fun, what's one of the weirdest things you've ever been asked on your Ask Me Anything or on your Instagram at all? Yeah, I'm trying to think. I know there have been some really weirdly specific ones um, on the the AMAs. Um, Sometimes, I think sometimes there are two that come to mind that aren't that weird. They're not that weird. So if you sent these in, if somebody who's watching sent these in, don't feel bad. They're not that weird, but it just surprised me. The first is I get a lot of pitches for what should happen in sequels to my books. Oh, I like that. (laughs) Yeah. I I am like daunted by it too. I like try not to read them because I'm also like a very paranoid person. I'm like, what if someday I wake up and I have the urge to write a sequel and it happens to be the same thing that someone pitched me. And I like go down the, like the plot uh, by what happens. Um, Plagiarism. Yeah. I'm just like, don't tell me anything, you guys. And they're always like volunteering it. Like you can have this, please write this. Um, But that, and then I also lately, I think because I have like a surprising number of like younger readers, like not from my YA days, from my romance days, I get a lot of messages that are like, Hey, it's my friend or my girlfriend's birthday. Can you send a happy birthday video? And I haven't done it because one, I get a lot of them and I'm just like, yeah. I can't, I can't sign up for this. <laughs> like if yeah. I do it once, if we do it once, it's yes. floodgates. Yep. Yeah. And then two, I am so paranoid that I'm like, what if this is like some kind of phishing scam and they get my voice and then they can like, yeah. my bank. I don't know. I don't know how yeah. anything works. <laughs> So like, we don't either. Yeah, Why don't we yeah. talk about something and then there's an ad on our phone? I don't yeah. know. Yes. It happens a good. creepy amount of time. Exactly. Yes. Why do we think about something and it's on our phone? <laughs> right. It's too much. Exactly. It's too far. I know. I know. Exactly. So Emily, you wrote in a really fascinating piece for Zoella about what happened after you were finished with your YA novel, A Million Junes. Mm-hmm. You said, and I love this. I, I love this because I could identify with it so much. It you used me up that book. And when I was done with it, I had no idea where to go next. My writer's block was short-lived, but intense, a complete kind of mental emptiness I'd never experienced before in which I found surprisingly painful. I had only just discovered why I needed writing so much. And then it felt like writing had abandoned me. I had no ideas. I was a dried out sponge. Um, oh my gosh. I love that. It, it, like, it, it, seriously, we've all like, been there. It, we've all been there, but it's like, even there are even bits and pieces of every single book process where I find myself yeah. at that moment where you just, yeah. uh, you know, so it, I guess I'm, I'm wondering, what do you do to conquer writer's block? 
what do you have, what advice do you have for writers out there who are experiencing it? Like perhaps some little ones <laughs> no. of us here right now. Yeah. No. <laughs> no one in this virtual room has ever experienced writer's block. Um, it's okay. It's so tricky because I do feel like any writing advice comes with the caveat that like, if it doesn't work for you, abandon it. Like that's right. how I operate. That's that, how yep. I feel. Um, but for me, I have realized a lot of my writer's block really, I mean, with, with a million Junes, it was specifically like, I really had emptied myself out. I had no ideas left. I needed to go live my life. Um, and that can be really hard when you feel like you're on a roll or have momentum or have a schedule to keep to where you're just like, I'm not allowed to not have any ideas. I I can't go live my life. I can go see friends, whatever. Um, but I have really found that the the bulk of my writer's block is actually just a fear of failure. And it's that yeah. feeling when you have an idea for a book, but you don't feel like you can get it into the shape that it, it has in your head yet. Or even like, sometimes it really is like no ideas for a scene. But the thing is, like, I could just start writing it and, and open this um, floodgate or at least trickle in myself. Yeah. But there's the fear holding back of like, what if I try and the words don't come? Yep. Um, or what if I try and they're so bad and they're unusable? And I've really gotten to the point since I had that realization where now I write, even if I have nothing to say, which again, is not necessarily advice for everyone. Um, that could just be torture for most people. But as someone who tends to draft fairly quickly, I... I try to honor like a daily word count. And if I don't know what comes next, I will literally have my characters go to the grocery store (laughs) or just like do mundane things. Because eventually if I, if I put my phone away and I'm not like on social media, not on the internet, and I really commit to it, if I just have my characters wander, eventually I'll figure out something interesting to happen. And so a lot gets cut in my later drafts. And so that's not like, you know, reasonable approach for a lot of people. But for me, it's so freeing to get past that blank, yeah, you know, yes. that blank page that's so intimidating. Well, it's such a good point because I feel like so much of what you're doing during that time is talking to your characters, right? Mm. And like giving them the opportunity to talk back to you, which sometimes is just the thing that has to happen. I also think it's really interesting, Emily, that you really had your huge breakout success um, at a time when you did take your foot off the gas a little yeah. bit, right? Like you just gave yourself permission to write the book that like your inside was saying yeah. I need to write. And I think that's, um, that's a really good lesson. I, I think that's a, that's a good lesson because I think it can be really tempting to just go along that same, um, that same path with that, that forward momentum yeah. and just think I have to keep going. I have to keep going. Mm-hmm. So uh, along those lines, I'm wondering what for you would you consider the most fulfilling part of being a writer? <sighs> And I, I, can I request that everybody give me their answers after this? Too? <laughs> sure. This is the most excruciating conversation because I have all these interesting people here. And I just like, <laughs> hear your um, I'm in charge here. <laughs> I'm going I'm to, yeah, demand answers. So I think for me, it really is when drafting is going well, nothing feels better than when I like forget I'm writing. That is just uh, the best feeling when you look up and it's kind of gotten dark, but you didn't get up to turn on the lamp. Like that feeling I think is what I'm just constantly chasing. And it's the same feeling as reading something you really love where you forget you're reading and you can't do anything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah. That idea of getting lost in your own story, right? Like that's the the way you can get lost in other books. I, yeah, that is a feeling worth chasing. I agree. Mm -hmm. 
That's my favorite part too. I mean, definitely for sure. And I mean, I know I didn't say this, I'm sure I got it from somewhere, but I think it's like, it's like falling in love because it's all yeah. you want to yeah. just, you just, when you have those moments really, you just want to get back to your manuscripts and, and that's yeah. all you can think about. And like every conversation you're having in real life, you're really thinking about what's going on yeah. over here. And it's like the greatest feeling in the world. It's like, I think the thing that keeps us going when I'm like, Yes. <laughs> I hate these stupid line edits and what are these questions? And why are they asking me this? Yes. And then I'm like, I just it's okay. I'm gonna have another I'll have another manuscript. Right. I'm gonna fall in love again. Yes. Yes. Exactly. I think my answer is like it toggles between two the most fulfilling part of being a writer. Because when I imagined having a published book, you know, 20 years ago. I imagined that the most fulfilling part would be seeing my name on a book in a store, which is amazing and the hitting the list and the good news. Like, but honestly, it's, I toggle between what you just said, Emily, this like falling down and there they are. You've been looking for them, those people to do this thing for months. And all of a sudden it just, but then on the toggle side, on the other side, it's the writing community. And the yeah. reading, uh, yes, right? like who knew that was waiting? They're the best people in the world. Yeah, uh, yeah. How about you, Mary Kay? I think, I think, yeah, I think it's chasing that rush of yeah. you know the day that you wrote a paragraph, maybe more than a paragraph, where you went, uh huh, yeah. That, yeah. you know, and so that's what you're chasing yeah. because you, you tell yourself, I'll never write that paragraph yes. again, Yeah. but maybe if I keep writing over and over and yes. over and over again, I'll, you know, I'll write something as good as that. Um, yeah. Or maybe who knows something even better. Yeah. And so I think that's sort of what keeps me going is, you know, can I, maybe I could get better at this. Cause I never feel yeah. I'm any good at it. You know, I'm <laughs> right. riddled with, so I'm so riddled with self-doubt and self-loathing. And I, I was telling them I hit a hundred thousand words today on my book. That's due Yay! in two weeks. And I'm like, I don't know. I just yeah. don't know. I don't know if it's going to happen, but you know, when you write a good, I wrote a good paragraph. I wrote a good scene yesterday. And so when I went to bed last night, I thought to myself, okay, you did that. You could, you could do that again. Yeah. You can do that again. So that's, that's for me. And sometimes you don't know you wrote that great thing you're talking about, Emily and Mary Kay, until you reread it and you're like, right. Oh yeah. Like it feels like garbage. I mean, even hearing that Zoella essay, that's what we were talking earlier too, about like the stress of all of the essays that you yeah. have to write before release. <laughs> yeah. And I remember I was on vacation when I was supposed to be writing that. And I, like it was the end of the night and I was just like, I cannot write a single word. I'm like, what is yeah. happening to me? Yeah. I feel sick to my stomach. And so I asked for an extension and it was like, I had to write a thousand words or something. And it was like, you would think that I had been asked to like translate the Bible from it. Like, <laughs> just like, this is so much work. And yeah. From the original Aramaic, not yeah. even the Greek. Right. You know. right. We're going all the way back. <laughs> I think it's just sometimes you can't handle one more thing. It's like, I just yes, can't do one more thing. Yes, yes, 100%. You didn't really answer. What about you? Yeah. You know, I think I always forget at the beginning of writing a book how, how much I can fall into the joy of that journey of yes. writing it. Because yeah. I feel so intimidated by that amount that you have to do or by the fact that you don't really know those characters yet. Mm -hmm. um, 
so I, I would say one of the things is just getting into the flow of the book and mm-hmm. realizing like a complete revelation out of nowhere. Like, oh my gosh, I can do this. Like these characters mm-hmm. are speaking to me. I do for this story. Mm-hmm. But like, it, you just have that paralyzing fear until you get there, right? Yeah. And then I, I think the other part that's so fulfilling, which I think I had forgotten about, not forgotten about, but I had I had pushed to the back before getting out physically on the road for a yeah. week this year before the Delta variant hit and suddenly, you know, we're worrying again. But um, the number of people who come up and tell you in person that like it, yeah. your book spoke to them this way or that mm-hmm. way, or, you know, even just receiving those emails from people. Um, that's it. Like that, that reminder of like, okay, mm-hmm. that's, that's why we do this because like the, this book that I wrote in my little home office could mean something to somebody yeah. Yeah. somewhere. Yeah. And like, how amazing is that? How lucky are we? How lucky are yeah. we all? That's We're so the luckiest it's a yeah. neat thing to get to do, right? It's yeah. so great. It really is. And yeah. like, I, yeah. I got one of those this morning from a lady and I emailed her back and I was like, literally, this was the best start to my day that yeah. you could possibly imagine. Yes. Yes. She was like, Oh my God, I can't believe you emailed me back. Right? <laughs> and and I'm like, I can't believe you answered. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm definitely going to answer. You said something really nice. Now <laughs> yeah. it's gone the other way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, then I'll answer. I just won't hit send. Or I'll send my answer to Patty and ask right. if I should send it. And she says, no. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but it's so true. I don't know. I don't know if readers really know, like, the full extent of what kind of an honor that feels like to be like, Oh, I'm like in your life. I'm like in your house. Yes. Something I made that like left me and just floated down the river, made its way to you. And it's such a weird, strange honor. And I think it is, yeah. I don't think that they really can, if, if they haven't, you know, made something like that and shared it, then I don't, I don't think they know like how valuable that yeah, is and what yeah what an honor it feels like to but us. on the flip side like until I became an author I would never have like sent an author something oh, me neither. how much I love their book because I would have been like they don't want to hear from me yeah they must get a and now I do yeah. 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 yeah 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 all yeah, I loved a fangirl I loved mm-hmm. a fangirl yeah. and send people fangirl yeah. notes and say you know I love this scene in your book and you touch something and yeah yes. I know it yeah. means a lot to me when I get an, a note like that yeah. so yeah. Yeah, I try nice. to do it well, so speaking of weird, strange honors, <laughs> you have accomplished so much from being a nominee for Jimmy Fallon's book club to hitting number one on the New York Times bestseller list and about a million things in between. You've achieved so much in your time as an author. Is there something that means the most to you or like a standout moment where you were like, I, wow, like that thing happened? Well, okay. So I definitely will say the there there have been a few that the number one on the new york times list like obviously every author kind of dreams about hitting the list period and be yeah. was the first time i did and that was mind-blowing and with people we went on vacation um i don't know it's like you kind of expect things to feel really surreal and then a lot of times they just don't and i was telling you all right. earlier like i i almost wonder if i've detached myself from it to be like this isn't really happening <laughs> like don't don't feel it's too a much lot it. it's, a, it's lot. a lot it is but when my editor called me to tell me that people uh debuted at number one that was like one of the only times that I really had sort of like I, my whole body went hot <laughs> and I started oh, wow. and I just like 
I love that. But I like my reaction, my instant reaction was I screamed at her multiple times, no, no, no. Uh, It really was like as if someone had shown up at my door, like to tell me something horrible had happened. That's awesome. It was so overwhelming. And the Jimmy Fallon thing was really surreal too, to just watch that and just like hear him say my name was really weird because I think it was weird in a good way where you realize that everybody is just people. Just people. Everybody is just people, which is not grammatically correct, but it is what I want to say. We get it. We get it. Um, And that's like really helpful because I think when you're striving and working so hard, you just kind of think everybody else is like, so like Mary Kay being like, Oh, I doubt everything I write all that. Like you, it's just, everybody feels that way. Everybody feels that way. No matter how accomplished and shiny they look from the outside. Um, So to kind of feel like, you know, the constant, uh, low grade imposter syndrome. And then to have Jimmy Fallon just like saying my name, like he has heard of me was like, Oh yeah. Like we're all just people and we're all doing, you know, the things yeah. that we care about and getting better at them. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that was, I mean, that was really cool, but I think like, this is such a long answer. I'm sorry. No, no it's great. Great. Yes, it's so great. Well, there is, so there's kind of a flip side to that, which like, my my last YA novel, it tanked. <laughs> it tanked in every respect of the word. But I had this weird, like, surreal kind of experience where it tanked and then Beatreed sold. And kind of right away, I knew things were kind of clicking in a way that they never had before. Mm-hmm. And I was watching things gear up pre-pub and just getting really great press and feeling so much excitement and support from my publishing team. And being like, okay, this is like how it feels when the machine is well-oiled and everything's working. Um, And around the same time, like a few other weird, like weird to me, they're not weird to anyone else, but weird little things happened, including a show that I really loved got canceled, which was the OA on Netflix. Mm -hmm. Um, And it got canceled and and there was this huge movement of people who were trying desperately to save it and like doing all these weird things to just try and preserve this thing that had meant so much to them. And I really felt changed by that because I realized you can make something really special and really unique and it doesn't matter what anyone else says about it. It doesn't matter if someone says that there's no value to that. There's no money to be made. There's no um, way to like commodify this. It's not good. It's too weird. It's too strange, whatever. And I say this now, like, you know, publishing rom-com novels, which are like fairly accessible, but it really was life-changing to me to have this book that I really loved and believed in tank in multiple, (laughs) in multiple profound ways. And to realize at the same time I was watching something that I thought was so special and new, not, you know, get to continue on and to realize like, Oh, it's really great when you can get commercial success and critical acclaim and all of that. But at the end of the day, I really believe that it matters that you make the thing that you believe in, in like kind of a woo woo way, (laughs) but like, yeah, even if 10 people out there actually like needed that and everyone else is like, this is weird and I hate it. It, those 10 people are worth it. And the thing that you need to make needs to be made. And I think that has been like one of the, the best lessons. So now it's like amazing because I can look back on this book that just failed and feel like so much, love and affection and pride for it even like no one really likes it (laughs) like it's just like I believe that it it needed to be made and I don't know why but I believe that 
That's awesome. I, I love, love that, that answer. I yeah. love that. I, I will say my least popular book is my favorite one. So like, that what happened? does that say about me? I'm not really sure. <laughs> you made something that was so niche. That was so like, this is for yeah. this person who's like, or, you know, I don't know. Maybe if I had published it now, like, I don't know. Maybe it's really funny how that happens. Though. It does. I, I think it's common. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So we have got so many great um, questions from our audience from our audience coming in. So Patty, can you ask a question from our audience? Absolutely. We do have a lot. So sorry to y'all out there on Facebook. We can't see the names right now. So this is from Facebook. How does your family life play into your characters? Ooh, (laughs) now I'm like, which member of my family is watching this? (laughs) It doesn't, it doesn't. I think, I think that from my books, you can tell probably that I come from a family with a lot of love in it. And that's like very, um, I feel very, very blessed by that. Um, But, but I don't write my family into my books in that way. Um, I haven't written my husband into any books. I don't know if I could, like, I love the idea of writing a couple who is us, but I just feel like I know him too well that I couldn't distill him into like a character Oh, like I love that too, yeah. too much multitude there. Um, but I, I do think, I think everything about us kind of makes our way into our books, like, yeah. you know, family, passion, like faith, politics, like all of that. Like, I think it all Works makes its way in. I, mm-hmm. it, because it's like, you're doing, even when you're not, you're not telling your story if you're writing fiction, but all these little details, I don't know. There's still just like a worldview behind every book, I think. And I think that's like a really fun. Oh, I like that. A worldview behind yeah. everything. Well, it's like, you can, you know, with all of y'all, it's like, you can tell with your books, like that you are, you know, big hearted, generous people who are like deep thinkers who like to have fun. And that's like, I don't know. It's like, that's, I think one of the great things about falling in love with like, a that really author. does sound like us. <laughs> The deep thinking thing does not (laughs) pertain to me. Some of you are mushrooms and some of you are are deep thinkers. We're going to make that our new. Some of us are about as deep as a puddle. (laughs) (laughs) But those are the really It's a lie. It's a fun puddle. puddle. (laughs) (laughs) One mushroom (laughs) endless stories that are. (laughs) One mushroom (laughs) endless You're like the deep end of the ocean. You were making this like really great point and I had to like. (laughs) Went so hilarious. So, and it's very true. You went there. It's accurate. It's accurate. Who's asking the next question? I think we're moving on to the writing tip. So I do have to say the way you just answered that question, I jokingly sometimes say, all we have is our own compost pile to write from. Right. So there's no, right. It's, there's, the books you know about what? us, but they're from us. Right. You know what grows no. in compost piles? Just saying. Yes. Mushrooms. Yes. Mushrooms. Anyway. Just that out. Every week. I'm, I am so moving past this. Every week, one of our favorite parts of the show is a writing tip. And I feel like this has been, in many ways, one yes. long, glorious writing tip. Agreed. But do you have a writing tip that you like to tell other writers when they come to you for advice? I mean, honestly, it's so basic, but I do generally just tell people to keep going because I think 
that that fear, like, I mean, watching this, if you're watching this, you realize how, how everyone on your screen right now just kind of pushes through a fair amount of terror. <laughs> and like, yes. We've made that pretty clear. So I think, I think that a lot of times that fear of like, I'm not doing this right. Or what if I never have another magical paragraph or all of that just can slow you down. And so I am for me again, a big believer in just writing, whether it's good or not, just writing until you find something that makes sense. Um, and I really believe in finishing first drafts if you can, because I think a lot of times you just, you give up on something too soon because of that fear and that block and you kind of lose your momentum. I always lose my momentum, 20,000 words, like the book peters out for a little bit. Yes. Yes. The soggy middle. Yeah. It's so hard. Like the beginning, you're like, I'm so excited. I'm writing a book. And then the end, it kind of comes together again. And I think a lot of people just kind of who want to be writing or want to be publishing kind of give up during that sagging middle. So I really, I really believe in finishing it, even if you think it's horrible, because it's honestly probably not as bad as you think it is. Mm. That's such a good point. Emily, can you just come back every week? You're like, oh, like yeah, sunshine. I mean, I know. Like, you know, like, join. you be like the fit, like just join in. And yeah, then I just, yeah. just add little side commentary. Yeah. Yes. But the requirement is that we are bourbon on trail. the bourbon trail. Yes. I am so signed oh up. Oh my God. Friends in Fiction live from Lexington or live from Louisville. So yep. Absolutely. I know. We don't say, don't so say it because we will do it. Like it will be serious too. I will be emailing you. I've been yeah. three times. I, I will. Yes. I, oh, I, I've never been. been. I'm ready to leave right I've never now. Been. I have been. I've been. It's amazing. <laughs> it's gonna be it, so was so it was great. Oh my gosh. All right. So Emily, that was such a great writing tip. Do you have a book you'd like to re- recommend tonight? Something you've read recently that you want our viewers to know about? Yeah, it's not out for a couple weeks, I don't think. Um, but if you're ready to move into the fall spirit, you could read this like the day before you read the Santa suit. So you can kind of like <laughs> hit the Halloween vibe before yeah. you move into Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, but Lana Harper's Payback's a Witch is a really fun. It's genius. And the, I think the sequel, I, uh, the sequel is something about like, so, like, it's a play on words were cursed instead of, instead of worse, like for better or cursed or something like that. I don't remember. Um, but it's kind of, I think she pitched it as like, um, practical magic meets John Tucker must die sort of. Oh it's like, oh I know. It sounds these, amazing. These three witches who've been burned by the same man, like kind of set out to like, or the same warlock set out to like teach him a lesson. And it's really magical and fun. And it's great. It's great. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. All right. Well, so now we want to talk about your favorite bookstore. And we talked about it a little ahead of, uh, ahead of time because I think, have all of us been to your favorite bookstore? No, I haven't. Poor oh, well, you must. <laughs> that's, that's north of the Bourbon Trail. So this can all kind of get full. This can all be full circle. It's all yeah. happening. All yes. all mm-hmm. yeah. And then we can go see Ron in Cleveland. Yes. yes. There you go. This is a book coming together right past the soggy middle. Exactly, exactly. So Emily, tell us about your favorite store. So my favorite bookstore is Joseph Beth, which there is one in Lexington as well, but there's one in Cincinnati, which is my home store. Um, And it's just amazing. Like it has the feeling of like, I just feel like, you know, you think about the bookstores from your childhood and how like magical it felt to go into them. And like the air had this certain feeling and smell and as an adult, it's like harder to capture that feeling. And I feel like Joseph Beth, yes. for whatever reason, still has that like little 
kernel of magic. And yeah, they're great. They do great events and um, all the booksellers are really nice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they do great events if you live in the city and can pack for room. There you go. Family. <laughs> um, but, it, but it is a great store. They have a huge, huge variety and I love them. They have great um, sidelines too, I remember. I don't know what that means. Sideline <laughs> means all the little gifty things. Oh, yeah, they oh, do. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Okay. yeah. Sort of, it is sort of like a Cracker Barrel had a baby. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, there was one in Charlotte. There might still be one in Charlotte, but I remember mm, going. No, they closed in Charlotte. Oh. Did, oh. Well, I remember no, going they in there. they opened for about a day. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I remember so buying sideline stuff in there along with books. So. Yeah, no, they That's did great awesome. sidelines. Well, you didn't have any you didn't buy enough. Obviously not. I know. I should have bought more. It's my yeah. fault. You alone could have kept the Charlotte store it could open. Have been you. Yeah. I mean, if you ask my husband, yeah. he would say it's possible. <laughs> okay. Enough, enough of this hilarity. <laughs> Emily and everybody else stick around because we have one more thing we want to talk about. But first, we want to remind all of you out there to check out our Friends in Fiction Writer's Block podcast. We will always post links under the announcements each time a new one goes out. It's a lot of fun. It's totally different from this show. So if you like hanging out with us here, we know you'll like, you'll love being with us there. Every Friday this past week, Ron, Christy, and Patty talked to Christy Barrett and Andrea Katz about Facebook reading groups. And this week, Ron and Patty talked to Nat Philbrick about history. And if you do, and we hope you will, um, listen to the podcast, like, and subscribe, and comment, right? Is that all, all the things the we thing. want to yes. tell them? All the things. All the yes, things. all, all the those things. things. Do the things. And, yeah. okay, you guys, book club, if you are not hanging out with us yet in the Friends and Fiction official book club, obviously you're missing out and mm-hmm. you know we would hate for you to miss out so you'll have to join so the group which is separate from us and is run by our friends lisa harrison and brenda gardner is now nine thousand strong how amazing is that Incredible. so on september 20th which is this coming monday patty yeah. will be joining to discuss her novel the bookshop at water's end so be there or be square and they have some cool uh things coming up this fall And next week, right here at 7 p.m., I host, all of us host, the New York Times bestselling novelist, Wiley Cash. He'll be live at an indie bookstore in Charlotte, North Carolina, Park Road Books. And then in two weeks, join us as we welcome Debbie Maycomer and celebrate the launch of Mary Kay Andrews' The Santa Suit. And if you're on my Instagram, you saw me put on the hat that we will be wearing and you know if I'm going to wear that hat, it is a great book, and I love her. So it is, it is that time. It is Santa suit time. Yeah. All right. Also, um, don't forget that you can catch up on all of our past episodes and even watch us live each week on YouTube. Just type Friends and Fiction in the search bar to find our channel. So, Emily, I know we talked a lot about your history and how much your fa- how much full of life and fun your family is. But a question that gives our listeners and us so much insight into your writing life is when you were growing up, what were the values around reading and writing in your childhood? Oh, my gosh. They were actually enormous. I mean, my awesome. so yeah, this one of my happiest memories probably is my parents. I, I have two brothers. And we had rooms at the end of a hall 
And at night, my parents would kind of like bring out some pillows and they would sit at the mm-hmm. intersection between our rooms and oh. they would read to us. And my dad would do all the voices. They read all oh. the Lord of the Rings novels to us, all the Chronicles of Narnia novels. Um, I'm, I, I know like my mom and I read all of, like the Black Stallion books together. And like, it was just, awesome. I, I would just, I sometimes still, I think my dad will read aloud to my mom and she'll just like go to sleep <laughs> and like, he'll still do oh. the voices. And so they were, they were huge readers. And, and I don't think, I don't know, I guess I, I guess I got it from them, but at the same time I was like kind of a late bloomer with reading. And so I think there was also an element of like being a youngest child and not being able to do something. And then once it clicked, I was just so excited I could do it. Um, and so, yeah, I was, I was definitely a huge reader from the time that I could read. And even before. Hmm. I love hearing those stories. I always love those stories. Yeah. Yeah. That is so fun. Thank you for being here with us tonight. And to all of you out there, we encourage you to grab Emily's new novel, People We Meet on Vacation. I mean, if there's anyone out there who hasn't read it, because I can't imagine there could be that many people who haven't read it, but if you I know, <laughs> pick it up at your local independent bookstore on our bookshop.org page and everywhere books are sold. So Emily, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us tonight, thank for you, being Emily. here, for sharing your time with us. It was such a treat. And um, we'll see you on the bourbon trail. Yes, obviously. Thank you so much. I can't wait. Thank you all. You're doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Good night. Thanks, everybody. Good night, everybody. All right, guys. Um, That was so fun. We'll see you in a minute at our after show where we'll announce our merch star of the week. But come back, same time, same place next week as we welcome Wiley Cash. She was so great. That was so fun. She was. How great was she? Right, we had to run out, everybody, because she had a dinner to go to. But um, she's with us in spirit. <laughs> and um, gosh, she was such a great guest. I yeah, okay. We've talked about this before, but um, I was like nervous to meet her because I'm like such a big fan, and I like follow her on Instagram. And I was like, oh my god, like I'm gonna. And I was kind of nervous to meet her. She was so great. She was so yeah, she great. Was a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah, I think you can tell. I don't know if you guys feel this way, but you know, like when we're in the like the fake green room before the yeah. show, like you can just tell, like, oh, this is gonna be a really fun show. Yep. I yeah. had the yeah. same thought. Yep. Yeah. She was really. Yeah, she's good, you folks. Know, she mm-hmm. was, you know, because also, you know, before the show, I feel like we just it's gotta be a lot when you're a guest and you come in because we're all just talking and like, mm-hmm. you know, I. I yeah, and she just fell right into our rhythm yeah. today. I, I think that's what it yeah. is. When someone comes in and they fall right into it without missing right. a beat, you're like, okay, you're this, like, is oh, work. this is going yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is really great. Um, okay, well, before we kind of dive deeper into that, we do need to announce our merch star of the week. Um, so the winner of Patty Callahan's not yet released Once Upon a Wardrobe is, drumroll please, Barbara Bankovich Green. So Barbara, thank you so much for um, sharing your merch. And if you don't have any friends in fiction merch, you can get, oh, she's got, there's her layout. She's got all oh, kinds I of good stuff that. going on. Look at it. Yeah. And we have t-shirts and wine sippies, but I'm holding mine up right now that you can't see. But, um, and I think we're out of coffee tumblers right now, actually. So we're kind of, um, we're rolling out some new products soon, but um but we are so grateful to all of you out there who uh, buy our merch. So thank you for supporting Friends in Fiction. And um, and it's it's great stuff. I like carrying my cups around all the time. So yeah. it's a good investment. Yeah, they are good things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's awesome. So when are we going on the bourbon trail? Yeah. I was so, I'm so serious about that. Like I, I know we were joking about it, but it is, it's just, A, it's beautiful there. 
But be yeah. like, even, even if you're not a huge bourbon drinker, which I know we all drink bourbon, but even if it's not necessarily the thing you reach for, right. there's something about the history and the culture behind it that make you fall in love with it in a different way. Like there's yeah. just, like I said, I've done it three times and, um, and, and I feel like I could do it 50 more and learn. And that doesn't make me an alcoholic, just makes me, maybe it does, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, it just, I learned something new every time and kind of fall in love with bourbon country again and again and again. So, um, yeah, we have to do it. I'm serious. Well, I mean, yeah, all, we're doing so many great events together. Um, yeah. You know, and and I why would we not add that in? I think that's like such yeah. a great idea. Okay, someone wants Somebody's to know the asking bourbon trail. What, yeah, yeah, the bourbon trail. Um, why don't you explain it, Christy, Kristen, since you've been so many times? <laughs> since, since I'm the alcoholic who <laughs> yeah, like, lives cheers. on the bourbon trail. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so the the bourbon trail is a collection of distilleries throughout um throughout Kentucky. Um, uh, primarily based around Louisville, Lexington, and. Oh my God. Bardstown is the other, is the other town. So like most of them are kind of in that region and it's a walking trail in Louisville and a driving trail around the state. And so you, you go from distillery to distillery. Um, and they used to have incentives for going to all of them. Like you could get a t-shirt or whatever, but it's just really cool. It's like a way to go see different distilleries that are part of the tour. And it's, it's places like Maker's Mark, um, Jim Beam, Four Roses, um, uh, Buffalo Trace, 1792, like a lot of, um, gosh, my favorite, um, why am I forgetting the name of it? Town Branch. Um, so, oh, it's so good. It's made by the same people who make Kentucky bourbon barrel ale. Um, yeah. yeah um, Basil Hayden. It's just, it's, oh, it's Basil Hayden's a- one of Will's favorites. Yeah. Tom it's, loves it's Basil Hayden too. Awesome. And you like, you learn about it. Um, I, it's just amazing. It's, it's just, it's a cool vibe. And there's like a lot of farm to table restaurants there too, because it's oh. a very um, agricultural area. Um, and there are a lot of horses as well. So it's really cool. It's just a beautiful part of the country. I did a really you fun know, event there. I'm sorry. You go, Mary Kay. No, no. I, I, I was going to say, I, Tom and I, years and years and years ago, did a tour of Jack Daniels. And the most tragic thing at the time about Jack Daniels is you're walking, you're up and down, you're smelling. And the town was dry. So oh, you did wow. not get to taste or buy. Oh, that's terrible. Now, they've, I think they've changed the law since then. But that county was dry. Wow. That's hilarious. So you could buy like Jack Daniels chocolates and, you know, all kinds of stuff. But you could not taste at the time. It was tragic. That's bizarre. Well, I was going to say I did a really fun event in Louisville with the um, with their junior league, and I'm like, I can totally see this. Like, the, this would be a really fun event, and we should yeah. bring all of our husbands because I feel like they should have yeah. like sort of a support group at this point. <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. since this has become like at least half of our life. <laughs> yes, <laughs> a friends and fiction husband support group with bourbon. Mm. I think it would, I think it's a good fit. And actually this works really well. Our listeners and viewers should actually bring their husbands too, because they probably have to deal with us every Wednesday night. So they should get some bourbon out of it. We could call them the F and F fellas. I like it. You're so clever. It's funny you said that, Christy, about this the support group and this taking up such mm-hmm. a big part of our lives. I had um, I had lunch with another Orlando-based author yesterday uh, mm-hmm. named James Ponty. He's a New York mm-hmm. Times bestselling middle grade author. He's great. And you know, I, I came home and I said to Jason last night, um, "Oh my gosh, it was just so nice to have a conversation with another author and like just to you know to talk about like all the things that we're going through and you know it was just it was so nice. Like I I just forget how nice that is. He's like." you do that 20 times a day with these other women. 
talking about. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I do. I mean, I guess I meant in person, but it was like I had just spaced on that. Well, and also the text, the text chains we're on usually have not that much to do with writing, but with other stupid stuff. Yes. <laughs> like me waking up with a headache this morning and assuming that I had a brain tumor and, you know, would, would my publisher publish my book with as many words as I had? Well, and then like, and who's going to finish the book? I think of that sometimes or like, oh my gosh, I have to finish. Like, I know that this book is not fully fact checked. And what if they, pub- what if I die and they publish it like this? Like, seriously, do you do this? Do you, do you like put your laptop in your car when you're going somewhere? And I like position it in the passenger seat on the floor because I think if I get rear ended, <laughs> the, the laptop is toast. So it will survive. I like strap it into the seatbelt so that it will survive if everything else burns up. <laughs> How, how sick is that? Will asked me about another writer last night, and he said, it was like, yeah, I can't remember what he said, but it was like a very specific question. And I was like, I don't know. We're all a little bit crazy. And I think that's. <laughs> yeah, it's, that pretty much goes Some to the of heart us of are it. crazier than others. <laughs> it was not one of y'all, P.S. It was not one of y'all. <laughs> okay. Sure. Oh, good. Anyway, well, that was so fun, you guys. Was, I, I'm starving. Nice. I'm sure y'all are too. So I know, and I haven't had any wine. Okay, y'all. I, I did a whole show without a drop of wine tonight. And I gotta tell you, lady, you're on your A game. Yeah, <laughs> without the wine, you really. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it was the wine or just your A game, but yeah. I don't know. Oh, ladies, ladies, it was ladies. those mushrooms. They were just. <laughs> Mushrooms sprouting out of your and now we have ended how we began. I have (laughs) never (laughs) done mushrooms. I've done wine, but I've not done mushrooms. No, no. no. Good night, y'all. Good night. Great job hosting, Christy. Oh, thanks, Christy. Thank Thank you. That was fun. And thanks, Emily. Wherever you are, you were the best. Yes. Great. All right. Good night, everybody. Talk to you later. Good night. Thanks, Sean. Thank you for tuning in. Join us every week on Facebook or YouTube, where our live show airs every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And please, subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram. We're so glad you're here. Produced by Autovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.